It sounds crazy, but I think the goal is to compete for a national championship every year. If you look at some of our competitors like UNH and Vermont, they're doing that every single year. And there's no reason why we can't do that at Bryant as well. That was Bryant University men's soccer head coach Ruben Resendez. And he's the guest on today's episode of New England Soccer Journal's The Goal Podcast. Welcome to New England Soccer Journal's The Goal Podcast, the podcast for serious soccer players and their supporters to help further their development and navigate their way throughout their soccer careers. And now, here's your host, Matt Langoni. Welcome to another episode of New England Soccer Journal's The Goal Podcast. Today, I'll be joined by Bryant University men's soccer head coach, Ruben Resendez. Ruben, thanks so much for joining the pod. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. I know you're, you just had a, a busy trip overseas. We'll, we'll talk about that, a busy recruiting trip that you, you jokingly said your, your wife thinks is vacation time for you, but not so much. I know you're, you're, you're a busy guy over there, and, and we'll definitely get into that stuff. But you're obviously a familiar name in, in New England soccer circles. You led Franklin Pierce to the Division II National Championship just last month, actually. We're recording this in January. That was early December. Now you're off to Bryant, a Division I job. So I guess the obvious question here is, why Bryant? What was it about that job and, and that fit for you? Like you said, I'm from the area. I grew up in Fall River, Massachusetts. And after college, I coached at Dean. When I was coaching at Dean College, I was still living in Fall River. And then when Rob got the head coaching job at Vermont, I went to Vermont for a couple of years to, to be an assistant coach there. And then when the position opened up at Franklin Pierce, I actually, and when I got the job, I actually lived in Swansea, Massachusetts with my wife, which was two hours away from Franklin Pierce. So for four years, I've been driving by Brian every single day <laughs> on my way to Franklin Pierce. And actually three of our assistant coaches, we carpool together. We're, we're all from this area. And I think <laughs> for the last four years, at least 300 times we've driven by Brian and said, that'd be pretty cool if we worked at Brian, huh? A <laughs> little bit better commute, yeah. Drive. yeah. <laughs> that would cut our drive in half or even more so because now it's only about 30 minutes from Swansea. So obviously that's not the main reason why Brian was attractive. Obviously Brian has transitioned in one of the best, one of the most competitive soccer conferences in the country in the America East. It's a really, really good business school. We can attract some some really high level student athletes. And when I stepped on campus and I met my bosses, Bill, John Rupert, Jason Sullivan, I, I felt immediately that they had a big vision for this program to, and hopes for this program to be competitive on the national stage. And so when they showed that type of excitement and initiative, when I stepped on campus, I knew that it was just a perfect fit. It was a whole run, 30 minutes from home, I grew up in the community. I know I played with a lot of guys growing up that came to Bryant and had amazing experiences here. So, and again, just being in the America East now, which is a top conference, I, I think it was just perfect timing. Yeah, Bryant, I, I think is definitely more firmly on the, on the national map right now too. I mean, they had the great college basketball season too last year. Their men's team made that great run that kind of brought in a lot of a lot of eyeballs to, to what the school is and what the athletics can be. You mentioned kind of the potential for the soccer program and what you guys might be able to, what, what's kind of your vision for the program? Is it similar to what you wanted Franklin Pierce to become or what you, you had for Franklin Pierce or what, what's kind of the, the goal for you? Yeah. I mean, it sounds crazy, but I think the goal is to compete for a national championship every year. And I think if you, 
I don't know, if you look at some of our competitors like UNH and Vermont that are in our conference and also in New England, they're doing that every single year. And there's no reason why we can't do that at Bryan as well. So we've made, we've made that vision very clear to the team. We met with them last week as a group for the first time. I was able to meet all of the guys before winter break during their finals week. I was able to meet the guys. I had gotten hired at that time officially. And just last week, we met with the group for the first time. And we told them that that was our vision for the program. And we don't want this to be a long-term project for us to, to be that competitive. We want to we want to try and be that competitive right away. So, and the guys have hit the ground running. They're working really, really hard. And it's been a great few days. It's always easy. The first few days are the easiest ones to be up for. We'll see what it looks like in, in two, three months. But, but yeah, no, that's, that's the vision for the program is compete with the likes of Vermont, UNH, and all the other top teams in our conference. Cause I think anybody can win it any year. So compete for America's championship and, and try and be in the NCAA tournament every year and, and compete for a national championship. Now, as anyone knows who follows college sports, sometimes when there's new coaches, there's player movement that follows. You guys, I know, announced you got five transfers coming in, a couple players that you know very well from from Franklin Pierce who will come into your program. How much does that help? I mean, you've been coaching for a long time, but how much does that help to have guys who know your your tendencies, know your personality, know who you are as a coach to come in and kind of help maybe smooth that transition to a new program? Yeah, I think that's huge. I mean, that's not why right. we brought the guys. We didn't bring guys over just to kind of make the transition maybe a little bit easier. Right. Although, obviously, that helps. We brought the guys over because Brian is a really good academic fit for those guys. And soccer-wise, they're going to make us a lot better. Right. And, and yeah, so one of the things we said in our first meeting was those all of the, the new guys, the five new players, should look to the current players as a resource because they're joining us now in January. So it's not easy to go to a new school mid-year. But we also said for all of the new players, the three new transfers and and the guys at Bryant to use the the incoming Franklin Pierce student athletes as, as resources because they know me, they know the rest of our coaching staff. And if everyone thinks that we're a little bit crazy, I told them we are a little bit crazy, <laughs> but just look to those two guys and they'll hopefully tell you that there's a method to the madness and there's, there's a, a bigger vision down the line to, to kind of what we're doing. So, but yeah, I know those guys will help with that transition. I think from a cultural standpoint, the way that we want to play, the way that we want to play is similar to how we did things at Franklin Pierce. We want to play in a, a very minded brand of soccer, very possession oriented. It's something that I really enjoyed as a player and really believe in as a coach. We recruit the type of players that fit into that type of style. And so it takes courage. It takes bravery. It takes making a lot of mistakes before you you get it right. And so we're kind of going through that process right now as a team throughout the spring. And yeah, definitely having those couple guys from Franklin Pierce will help. Hey, man, if you're not a little crazy in college athletics, you're not going to get that far. I mean, you have to have that mentality, right? You have to have that ultimate belief that you can accomplish something special or it's not going to happen no matter where you are. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I think that like anything else here, I think your athletes in, in every sport need to be inspired regardless of what the goal is. I don't think the goal for every team needs to be to win a national championship. Right. It can be to just make your conference tournament, but you have to be able to, your kids have to be like super inspired to, to reach that goal. And I think that anyone that achieves something special and something special might be making the conference tournament getting a home game in the playoffs, making the NCAA tournament, whatever it might be. You got to be able to kind of inspire your kids to get there. So obviously we're trying to do that right now at Bryant. 
At Franklin Pierce, you obviously made great inroads with international recruiting. And we mentioned you and I were talking off air about this recent recruiting trip overseas for you. It, it, it was, you mentioned it was hectic. It was busy. It was, it was seeing a lot of soccer. What's that like? How difficult is that to recruit internationally? And how much of a game changer is that for a college program to be able to kind of dip into those those pools of talent and, and bring players in who aren't necessarily from your geographical region? Yeah, I think it's I think it's hard, obviously, when you're recruiting New England-based players, you just have more access to be able to watch watch the players more before you make a decision on them. You can actually get them to campus as well and get to meet them and their families where, you know, if you decide to sign a player from overseas that you haven't watched play live or even a domestic player that maybe from the West Coast or down South that you haven't been able to watch play live. There's always that factor of, I, I've always believed that COVID kind of taught us that you can sign players over video. We didn't have a choice, but I'm a firm believer in you got to watch someone play live, not just from the sense of, oh, he looks good on video, but when you watch him play live, he wasn't as good as you thought he was. I think that's what people mostly think. I actually watched a player play three 90 minute games a few weeks ago, and I didn't love him. I thought he was good. I didn't love him. And his highlight film was great, but his 90 minute games that I watched were just okay. And then when I went overseas to go watch him last week, I watched him practice and I watched him in a game and he was awesome. We offered him. And right. so that was that little bit that I needed to, to kind of make that decision was to, to get out there and, and watch him play live. But on the flip side, you know, that's another reason why we decided to go away for 10 days to be able to, the guys that we were targeting, to really be able to get to know them because you might go watch someone once and he might be okay or you watch someone once and he was great, but maybe he's really not that good. So being being away for an extensive period of time and really getting to know the players that we were targeting, that's important. So in an ideal world, that's what you're able to do. Like I told you, I've never gone away for that long, 10 days, but obviously we're really, really committed right now to to trying to turn things around and be as competitive as we can be. And every new player that we bring into the team, we we just want to get those guys right. We want to make sure that they're a good fit for our program. I like what you said. I find it interesting where you mentioned that you need to see a player play live. Because I'm curious, how much stock can you put into these highlight tapes that players will submit? I mean, cause, you know, there's a lot of great soccer players around the country who can put together a hell of a 10-minute highlight film or whatever, 15 minutes. But how much stock can you put on that? Is it one of those things like, yeah, but I, I just have to, I have to see him play. I can't just go off or, I mean, I can't go too heavy on this highlight film I'm watching. I will say, <laughs> I will say that there was maybe one or two guys on our Franklin Pierce national championship team that I just watched their highlight video and I was like, <laughs> all right, we're going to offer that guy. There, here, here it is. Yeah. I just think the couple, depending what you're looking for, I think there are certain positions that you need to watch them play live yeah. you need to see them make mistakes what kinds of you need to see them make different types of decisions you need to see them in in different scenarios but for example i think if you're looking for let's say get an attacking player for example and you're looking at his highlight video and it's just full of him beating players one versus one and creating chances and scoring goals and assisting and it's like well, if he can do that that often but with, over the course of one season, maybe that's the type of guy that, of course, you want to watch him play live, but off of a highlight video, you're like, okay, that's that's a guy that we know we want versus someone who's a midfielder that can maybe put together a really good highlight video or a center back 
can put together a really good highlight video. But those are guys that they're constantly involved in the game. Whereas an attacker, they're not as involved in it, as involved in the game as much. But when they get the ball, they kind of have to come alive. Or defenders and midfielders, they're constantly on the ball. So for me, any sort of defenders or midfielders or a goalkeeper, I really want to get to know those players very well and, and watch them play a lot of times before I kind of make a decision on them. Where as an attacker, especially like wingers, I think if we can watch a really good highlight tape on a player and get to know them and watch them once or twice, we might be able to pull the trigger a little bit quicker on, on an attacking player. It's not a stretch to say the America East is one of the better conferences in the, in the country. I mean, you, you kind of touched on it, Vermont and UNH, just what they were able to accomplish recently. What's it going to be like to navigate through that schedule and, and, and play those programs? Yeah, it's interesting. I think it's a little bit different than the NE10 because in the NE10, it's a bigger conference. The America East has eight teams, I think, and the NE10 had 12, 13 teams. And so you get your conference play started a bit earlier. And in the America East, conference play starts a bit later in the season, and we get a decent amount of out-of-conference games before we get to that point. So I kind of like that, especially taking over a new team. We're, we're naturally, and we're recruiting a lot of new players too. So naturally, there's going to be a lot of ups and downs, even though I believe we'll have a talented team. I think there's going to be a lot, of, a lot of ups and downs. College preseason is only, I think, 17 days long. So it's impossible to get 110% fit. It's impossible to implement all of your ideas defensively in the attack on restarts within 17 days. So it's actually great that we'll get to play a lot of non-conference games, good games against competitive teams. We're on the road a lot next year. So hopefully that makes us a little bit stronger. And I think next year we have four home games in, in conference and three away games. So and then the following year, we'll have four away games and three home games, just kind of the way it played out. So that's good for us. But yeah, like you said, it's a really, really competitive conference. I spent a couple of years as an assistant coach at Vermont. And I remember in our first year in 2017 was Rob's first year as head coach. The year prior, Vermont had made the NCAA tournament. That was the year they had Brian Wright, Bernard Boa, really, really good team. And... And a lot of the guys graduated in the following year, Rob's first year and, and my first year there, I think we were picked to finish seventh in the conference just because a lot of the coaches knew that a ton of the guys graduated, a lot of turnover. And I think that year we ended up finishing in first place wow. in the regular season. And I think our overall record was 10 and eight or 10 and seven. And so we were just above 500 team. But it just goes to show you that anything can happen in that conference. And it's only a few games. It's not a 12 game conference schedule, you know, where the better team will probably win the league. It's a seven game conference schedule. So I think in a smaller conference like that, I don't think the most talented or necessarily the best overall team over a 15, 16, 17 game period necessarily wins the league every single year. And that's great for us because I think that as a new program that hopefully is going to be inspired and believe that we can achieve something special right from the get-go. Well, that's what we did at Vermont in 2017. And that's what we hope to do at Bryant as well. Again, it's not going to be easy. Anybody can beat anyone on any given day. We have difficult road trip this year too to UMBC. That's never an easy one. It's a flight and a couple of days away from campus. And But yeah, competitive conference, but we're looking forward to it. New England Soccer Journal's The Goal will return after this. Hey, here's a great new idea in fundraising. Soccerheads New England Comedy Fundraisers. 
This is better than a stand-up show. It's an event that your community will never forget. You'll get soccer-themed comedy with Paul Nardizzi, who has been on Conan O'Brien, and Nesson Comedy All-Stars, along with Dave Radigan from Serious Radio Comedy, and Jim Roberti. There will also be giveaways and all sorts of extras. Want to make money for your soccer club and have fun while doing it? Email the guys at SoccerHeadsNewEngland at gmail.com. That's SoccerHeadsNewEngland at gmail.com. Are you serious about playing your sport in college? Do you need a flexible education that allows you to maintain your practice and competition schedules while also preparing you to succeed at the next level? You should check out the University of Nebraska High School. UNHS is accredited and offers more than 100 online courses, including NCAA-approved courses to protect your academic eligibility. Students could earn a UNHS diploma or take a single course for transfer credit. Courses are college prep, self-paced, and available 24-7, 365. Enroll anytime and take up to a year to complete a course. Visit highschool.nebraska.edu today. Looking to keep up with all the latest news and information on New England soccer? New England Soccer Journal and AnySoccerJournal.com are the premier resources for information and inspiration on the New England soccer scene. Have every issue of New England Soccer Journal, the magazine, delivered to your home or office. And don't forget to stay in the game every day with a digital subscription to AnySoccerJournal.com to receive soccer coverage on clubs, college commits, prep and high school, division one, two, and three colleges, showcases, rankings, and so much more. Get in the game and behind the scenes now by going to anysoccerjournal.com. Just click on the subscribe button and start the subscription that is right for you today. New England Soccer Journal is a Siemens Media publication. Siemens Media, inspiring, informative, insightful. How do you have to change, if at all, as a coach going from a, a D2 program to a Division One program? Are there any major adjustments you need to make, or is it just soccer still soccer and your, your principles are still your principles and everything's kind of similar? I don't, I, I don't think it's major adjustments. I just think it's more so small details. The truth is, at, at this level, I just think the games are more competitive. I think truly anybody can beat anyone on any given day in conference, out of conference, is a good coach at this level, has got good play, has a couple of guys on their roster that can really hurt you if you if you make a mistake or if you if you fall asleep for a moment within a game. So I think it just comes down to the small details and kind of what you're willing to sacrifice and what you're willing to commit to the overall process and getting the players to to buy into those small, small details. There's so many of them, so we can't really talk about them because we could be here all day talking about what goes into being successful. It's not just the stuff on the field. It's the stuff off the field too. It's, it's how you travel. It's, it's how you recover. It's how you prepare. It's the day-to-day for the players. It's not just what happens within 90 minutes. In my opinion, it's more so everything outside of the 90 minutes that makes the difference at this level. So yeah, I think it just nothing major. I think it's just going to come down to the small details. And personally, I'm a little biased, but I think that's something we always focused on at Franklin Pierce and I think that's why we were able to achieve what we achieved. And again, at this level, it's going to be much harder. It's going to be super competitive because everyone is is putting in that extra effort, those small details, and it's committed to, to being successful at this level. 
But again, I think if we just stay true to to our process and just focus a little bit more on those small details, mainly off the field, I think, I think we'll be okay. Well, you certainly left Franklin Pierce on a high note with a national championship. I mean, that's as, as good as it gets in, in your last season there. What was that run to a to a national championship like last season? A lot of highs for you guys, obviously. I, how many lot did you did you lose a game last season? One loss? What did you have? Ties. We tied one. Yeah. Twenty five wins and one tie. So I mean, you didn't you didn't taste defeat at all in that season. So it was it was kind of a, a direct path to a championship. But what was that season like? Yeah, actually, the tie the tie really felt like a loss. I think at the time <laughs> we were eight and zero, oh, and I think we went to go play against Lemoyne away in Syracuse, always a super, super tough place to play. I, I was, I played at Southern New Hampshire for four years. So I was in the conference and then obviously coached at Southern New Hampshire for a year with Mark Hubbard as an assistant. And then obviously four years at Franklin Peterson. I don't think till this day I've ever left Lemoyne with a W. It's always the tie or a loss. Is it just because of like the bus ride and just like the, the long ride and all they're that? They're a good team. Yeah. They're a good team and they're, they're tough to beat at home. And it is a tough trip. But that's that those small details that, that I was talking about. It's everything matters. How you travel and how you prepare and getting the players up for those like Tuesday afternoon games, seven hours away from home on a bus. And so, but yeah, actually we tied that game. And after that game, some of the players... We had, again, Division Two, so we had some older guys, a lot of grad students, and we had some older guys telling me like, hey, we should change this up. We should do this. I think it's really going to help us. We should kind of add another midfielder and take away a striker, and we think that'll help us break down teams and stuff like that. And it's like, ah, no, no, we've been, we've been playing a four four two for the last three and a half years, and we haven't lost much. Like, just shut up and keep going. And then that game we tied, and it was a long bus ride home, and just scratching my head the whole time. I was like, I'm going to listen to these guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, sometimes, many times the players know best. And so anyway, it's what a lot of the players wanted. And so we switched things up and we never looked back. And I think if we didn't make that tactical adjustment to how we played, I don't know if we would have would have won a national championship. So, but I think that's what was special about our group. We had really, really strong leadership. We had about, again, maybe 12 guys on our team that could have been captains. Out of the 30 players on our first team, we had a roster of 50 because we had a, a JV team. But out of the 30 guys on the varsity, we probably had, again, almost half the team could have been captains. We had five captains, but the leadership was so strong and everyone wanted what was best for the team, regardless if they were playing, not playing. Um, the culture was, was amazing. I know culture is such a big buzzword that everyone uses. And I think we all, we don't all pretend, but you know, I think we all talk about creating like a strong culture and, and a championship culture. And again, we all have our own idea of what we think that is, and it might be different for everybody, but I learned a little bit truly of what that was this year. And it wasn't anything that I could teach or completely develop. I think it was just inside a lot of the players, just really, really good people good leaders, obviously really talented guys. And, and that obviously helped us win it all in the end. Now that national championship match, that, that was out in Colorado, right? Seattle. We oh, played Seattle. against, yeah, Seattle. we played against school from Colorado. That's what, that's what it was. It was in Seattle. That's yeah. what it was. What, what was the weather out there in Seattle for that one? It was interesting. It was cold. I'm trying to think the semifinal was really cold. Yeah. And fortunately for us, we were able to score a couple early goals. We won that game 5-2. And then for the final, 
it, it actually snowed. Uh, yeah, I thought that's why I asked. I thought I saw some photos of like people yeah. shoveling snow off the field before yeah, the game started. It snowed like two like two inches overnight. And again, it was kind of crazy because obviously the way that we play, we like to, to, again, like I said, we're a possession oriented team. We built from the back, we play through the lines and that doesn't play it in the snow. doesn't suit us very well, <laughs> but for our opponent in the final, I think they would have been happy kicking around in the snow with us. And so <laughs> our guys it was so funny. Just all of our guys just started grabbing shovels, shoveling the field. And it was so funny. And, and nobody on the other team grabbed the shovel. Oh yeah. They were, they were, ho they were hoping for more snow. <laughs> yeah, I think maybe a couple of their assistant coaches were helping out just because maybe they saw our whole team shoveling. So like, we should probably do something. <laughs> but our whole team was shoveling the field. And I think well, the NCAA did the right thing. They pushed the game back about half an hour. And once the sun came out, it helped a bit. And so the field was clear for, for the game, thankfully. And, and obviously, I think that really helped us. So, but yeah, the guys, the guys were awesome before the game and committed to doing whatever, whatever it took. But that was that, again. That, that little something different I'm talking about. I don't know right. if every team I've ever been a part of would have taken shovels out, shovel the fields. I think some guys have been like, we're in the national championship. Like, we're not shoveling a field. <laughs> but our guys are like, all right, take my jacket off. I'm going to start shoveling this field. And yeah, no, it was, it was awesome. Now, uh, shortly after that national championship, that's when Bryant made the announcement that you were the new head coach. What are those conversations like? Is it tough to depart a program, especially after you had that kind of success? I mean, you mentioned you had some older players, you had some grad student players, so they were probably going to be moving on anyways. But what are those conversations like to, to talk to the players? Guys, I'm, I'm heading to Bryant. I'm super proud of what we built. What, what, what's everything like on that, in that regard? Yeah, it was so hard. Yeah. yeah, so hard. Again, super thankful for my time at Franklin Pierce and everyone I worked with there. It's such a... It's such a special place. And again, I, and the same thing I felt at Bryant when I stepped on campus for, for my interview to, to meet the athletic directors and the search committee, I felt that same thing at Franklin Pierce four years ago when I stepped on campus and that feeling that I got of like, we could do something special here, not just win ball games, but do something really special here and, and create one of the best college division two college soccer programs in the country. So I think. Obviously, this was always the goal. Number one, to get closer to home. I have a couple of kids. I have a three-year-old daughter, a one-year-old daughter, a wife. And I was driving four hours a day, every day to get to Franklin Pierce. And we talked about moving to New Hampshire. Just, we have a big family here within 10 minutes of where we live. She has a big, my wife has a big family. I have a big family. So it wasn't really in the cards to move. And to be honest, Division one coaching positions around here are pretty limited too, because driving to Boston isn't the easiest drive from where we are either. It's about an hour. And so we have a few really, really good schools here in Rhode Island that obviously was a good fit. And when the opportunity came up at Bryan, it was a great professional opportunity. I more so took the, took the job because of the impact that I believe I can make at Bryant and, and what we can do here, I think is truly special, but obviously to be able to ease the burden on my family and hopefully be a better father, a better, a better husband, a better son, a better brother, a better friend. So that's something that, that was obviously huge too. And the players at Franklin Pierce knew that. I think they knew that our coaching staff was driving two hours every day for four years and Every day they called us crazy because we practiced at 10 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> we were leaving, we were leaving this, this area around 530 in the morning, six o'clock in the morning every day to beat the traffic. So I think the guys were happy 
for us. I expected guys to be disappointed, but I think that most of the guys were truly happy for us. And I think that's what's so special about what we created there is that I've left jobs in the past where I, I remember leaving Dean to go to Vermont as an assistant and the players were like heartbroken, right. like, and angry. Yeah. And I was like, wow, I didn't expect that. Yeah. I thought they were going to congratulate me. Yeah. And obviously when I left Vermont to go to Franklin Pierce was different because I was just an assistant coach. So the guys were happy for me, but, but this move, I was kind of nervous. I was like, oh, there's 50 guys on this team. I wonder how they're going to feel about this. Right. But again, obviously I had to do what was best for me and our coaching staff and the guys were great. They were super happy for us. So. Do you feel like the, the future still looks bright for Franklin Pierce soccer? I mean, they're, obviously, they've it, it's been built into a, a New England Division II power and beyond a national powerhouse. Do you feel like their future is also bright? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. I think there was a few. Rachel, the athletic director there, kind of kept me in the loop of what was going on in the interview process. And she asked my opinion on certain things. And there was a few guys that 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 were finalists for the position that I told her, doesn't matter who you hire, though each one of those guys are are gonna do a great job. And I think it was the same thing at Bryant. Like when I when I was interested in the position at Bryant and I really wanted to go for it, I had heard of some of the some of the other names that were kind of in the mix. And I was like, Ryan's gonna be fine. Whoever they decide, like all of these guys are great. They would do an amazing job. And so I truly believe that with with Franklin Pierce, I think Travis is a really good fit. He's coming from a championship program. He's coming from Charleston, West Virginia, where it's a goal of theirs to win a national championship every year. He was a full-time employee there. It was the first time assistant. So I think like anything, it takes a little bit of time to, to learn all the intricacies of what it takes to be successful at a certain university, the academic programs that they have, all those different things. But once he kind of figures it out and we're here to help him as well, I think that again, he's going to hit the ground run and they're going to be fine. So what does the next, I will say, four or five, six months look like for, for you at Bryant? I mean, obviously, I, you guys will probably play a spring schedule coming up when, when the weather gets a little better. But what do you hope to get done in, in the next few months before the 2023 season gets here? To keep it like simple, one of the things I always say to the team, every team that I coach every year, is I think there's three ways to, to make any team or company or organization better. One is developing the people that you have. Two is recruiting new people. And three is sometimes deleting or removing certain people. And fortunately for us, we have so many good guys on this team that they put the team first and they just want this program to be successful. Of course, everybody wants to play and everybody wants to make their impact on the field. But the feeling that I get for most of the guys at Ryan right now is that they want this program to be successful. And when I say delete people, it's not delete somebody because they don't have the ability as a player. It's delete somebody maybe because they're not willing to buy into the culture of what it's going to take to kind of get us to that next level. And again, I've only been here for a few days with the new team. It's been one week of training, but these guys are so committed to getting better every single day. It's it's honestly the hardest working team that I've ever coached or, or been a part of. These guys are, are busting their butts every single day to get better. And so that's great. So for the next five, for the next three months while they're on campus, we're going to do everything we can to develop each player individually, develop the group collectively, input all of our ideas, how we want to play, how we want to attack, how we want to defend, how we want to live every single day off of the field 
the habits that we want to create and just, again, start creating that process that we want to on with in August. And then while we're focusing on the current team, of course, we need to hit the recruiting trail. And we brought, we brought in five mid-year transfers that are right away showing their quality and they fit in great. They're also great guys. They're working hard. They're good players. And hopefully we can bring in other 10 to 12 guys to help us out in the fall. And again, not just good players, but good people and, and guys that are going to buy into to what we're doing here, both on and off the field. And, and that's what the next six to seven months will look like. And hopefully that'll be the, the perfect recipe for hopefully a good start to, to, to the season at Bryant. Well, it's exciting times for sure at Bryant. It's going to be fun to see how you guys compete in the America East and all that. And we'll certainly be keeping tabs on everything. But Ruben, I want to thank you again for, uh, for joining us today. Thank you for having us on. I really appreciate it, guys. Thank you so much. Thank you for everything you do for New England soccer. I think it's great. I don't know if the journal was around when I was a player or early on in my coaching career. I can't remember. But I think what you guys do is great for, for soccer in New England. So great job and, and thank you for all you guys do. We really appreciate that. Thanks so much. Thanks again to Ruben Resendez. I'm Matt Langoni. Thanks for listening. New England Soccer Journal's The Goal Podcast is produced by David Yaz and is a Siemens Media Production.